Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Best Seller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Mark Victor Hansen. He is the author of You Have a Book in You, Make Money with Your Story. Mark, it's great to have you with us. There is the book in you and all of us. <laughs> yep. I, look, everybody's got a book in them. And, you know, I've traveled everywhere around the world, talked to 7,000, 7 million people in 80 countries and people whisper, I got a story in me. And when we did the chicken soup thing, every time Jack and I talked for three hours or three days or, or three minutes, somebody would say, well, I got a story. Can I tell you my story? And, and we'd write it as fast as we could. We didn't have transcription and telephones yet, but every one of us got a story and it needs to be told. It needs to be shared. It needs to be preserved. It needs to be archived, it needs to be all those things. And it needs between the pages of the book because books will live based on, I never said this before, but based on Alexandria, which I'm studying right now, the oldest library, the guy who, you know, Alexander the Great created. Uh, uh-huh. that for brand new illumination. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. But I do want to say you, you you kind of touched upon it. For anybody out there who doesn't know, uh, we it's truly an honor to be chatting with you because if there's anyone to believe that you know you have a book in you, make money money with your story. You're the guy to talk to because you are the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, over 500 million copies sold, 254 books in print, just related to the Chicken Soup for the Soul. So. Uh, quite an accomplishment. I mean, before we get into this book, I'm sure a lot of people want to know, did you ever in your wildest dreams think you had that much chicken soup in you? <laughs> this chicken right. soup empire would have come from what started with your co-author. No, Jack and I got together. We were talking to 6,000 people at a think conference called Mandala. He talked way in the morning and I'm talking late at night and I'm putting everything away after I'd signed hundreds and hundreds of books. I was self-published at the time. And so was Jack, Dr. Canfield. And uh, he comes up and said, uh, I'm Jack Canfield. I said, Dr. Canfield, I'm a fan of yours. I read your book, 101 Ways Self-Esteem in Classroom. Well, we had a Vulcan mind meld. He said, I've never heard anyone tell stories like you do. We ought to do it as a book. Long story short, after we wrote it for three years in a row, uh, just because we, we were really stumbling to get the right formula and we said ultimately the formula had seven little what we call discernments or the the curbs on our highway like it had it caused instantaneous behavioral change it had it caused goosebumps god bumps chili bumps i can go over all of them but we yeah. hit it and then i wrote all the goals and jack said i don't know if we're going to sell one or a million i said then let me do it because i'm the goal setting master here and i hit everything i ever wanted i've written it seen it visualized it realized it and, and so we did a million and a half in a year and a half. And then we wrote down, well, we'll do 5 million, which we had 144 publishers all said, hit the road, Jack, if you know that old story. And um, 
I said, it's okay. If you, I'm joking now, but if you don't like Jack, but I'm a nice guy. Jack's right. wonderful. Hit, hit the road, Mark. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's the Jack Mark team. And he's a, one of the greatest guys in the world. The point is, I set those goals not knowing whether we could do it. And, and you know, then I kept expanding them because it, it really did work. And then, like you said, we did everything like we did chicken soup of the teenage soul. And our publisher said, you guys are blown at this time. Nobody's going to buy that. I got teenagers who buy CDs, concert tickets, and clothes. And when I give my kids 50 bucks, I say when they get home, what happened? They said, the mall ate it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, good. And we sold 19 million the first year, and we buddied up with Nickelodeon and had 12,000 kids read all the stories Jack and I wrote, which we thought were all tens. And the kids yeah. said, no, get that story out of here. So we had only stories that resonated with kids. We're talking about preteens and teens' hearts. It, it just it, it resonates with the hearts of every reader. I mean, they, they we wanted to be in the business of writing heart-touching, soul-penetrating stories that would live in your memory and that you would share. And that's exactly what has happened. Literally, we thought the soul of America was in trouble. And what we discovered is the soul of the world is in trouble, which is why I sold 374 million books in China and have gone there up until three years ago, three to, four times a year, sorry, for 22 yeah. years. So tell us, tell us the backstory about why you wanted to write a book, because in this book, you talk about, you know, the, the process of writing and there's so many parts of it, you know, the legacy, the, the, you know, the storytelling, but what was the most important part for you? I mean, what were you going for? What were you trying to achieve when you, when you got into the book writing business? The reason I wrote a book on you have a book in you is because I believe everyone does have a book in you. And what, what writing does is it refines you. It refines your spirit, your soul, and your heart. And it defines who you are because you've got to put it in paper and then you've got to look at it. And then an editor looks at it. And we say have a lot of people look at it while you're testing it. And then it gets you out of the third thing I'd like to add is it gets you out of confinement. And right now, because we're sequestered and, and we're in lockdown and there's 8 billion of us, everybody needs to write their book, even if it's their autobiography. And I've got a sub book coming out called Speed Write Your Autobiography, because I really believe writing has done so much for me. It's given me mega credibility. It's given me authority. It's given me expertise. It's given me worldwide travel. It's given me introductions to everybody from presidents to kings to, yeah. to being celebrated in places like Kenya, which if you told me I'd go to Kenya and do that, that'd be a surprise. Or if you told me I would open up the pyramids of Guatemala on behalf of National Geographic and write a key story, I'd say, come on, that's really nice. But you understand, I didn't even have a book in my house as a kid. My parents were Danish immigrants. They didn't, it wasn't that they couldn't read, they, could, they really couldn't read. They had about a second grade reading ability. So I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying they didn't have a choice. And luckily in high school, I got under a great inspiring teacher who woke up my mind to the wonderful world of reading, which is what you're doing with everybody on this bestseller podcast. So, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, you know, who was your mentor? Who was your inspiration? Was it that one teacher that sort of brightened your horizons and you said, I can do this and I want to do it and sort of started your journey? I've had a, by the way, I'm really blessed to have, because I seek out the teacher. It's just like when my kids went to elementary school and we got, as you know, five kids and six grandkids and I do the same for the grandkids. I go sit in that Montessori class. I go sit in a public school class and I pick the teacher when my little girls were going to school. The first one, Elizabeth, 
I went and sat in six kindergarten classes at, at Kaiser Elementary, and Mrs. Fellows was so together. She, in the Jewish term, it's, um, you know, you're a mensch. You've got it together. No, you got it together, and your results clicked. She sang to the kids. She whispered in their ears. She spoke Spanish. She spoke English. She had drumming of the kids. She did, I said, hell, I want to take your class. <laughs> so that kind of thing. But in, in high school, for me, this guy, John Reinhardt, he not only insisted that we read everything, but insisted that we knew what was happening politically. And I happened to be in his class at, at two o'clock in the afternoon when John Kennedy got killed. Yeah. And he said, uh, kids, every one of you call up your parents and we're going to stay here and talk about maybe the greatest president ever until we exhaust what we've got to say. And we all stayed until 630 at night. <laughs> I had no idea I'd say this. And it, it, I'm still teary eyed because it was a chicken soup moment for me. And it was life changing. And when I won the Book of the Year award at, at National uh, ABA, American Booksellers, 60,000 people, my parents had passed away. I called up John Reinhardt and his wife, Ellen, and I said, Mr. Reinhardt, um, can I honor you by coming? And I celebrated him in front of all those people that got me to read. So the principle is if you're listening, if one of you starts to read, you're going to, it starts to write, you're going to read more. If you read more, you learn more, you grow more, you expand more, you're more inclusive rather than exclusive. You're less divisive and more uh, incisive. I'm, saying, I'm yeah. making that up, but it sounds right. <laughs> yeah, that sounded good to me. I think a lot of people do, I think there was a, there's a statistic that 80% of Americans want to write a book, but you know, they open up the computer and there's a blank screen and they sit there in front of a blank screen. But there was a, there was a quote in your book that resonated with me, um, which is really fitting. You say, fitting rather, you say, beginning authors focus on getting it right. Experienced authors focus on getting it written which I think says it all. Is that something you learned through experience or you knew that you know, right off the bat? No, I didn't know it off the bat. And you sure, and now I've written 309 books and I've got a lot more in me that I want to pull out. It's just, you know, why would you quit if you're having so much fun? And I have the most fully functioning life that I've ever even imagined because that's what uh, writing, that blank page to bestsellerdom. I've just written an article about that, which if they go to my website, markvictoranson.com, it's my gift. But it, it just is that because everyone has faced a blank page. It was William Shakespeare faced it. Obviously, Plato faced it writing whatever Socrates had to say, and then Archimedes got it, and then Alexander the Great got it. So everyone's got to face the blank page. And and, and that, that's true for books, that's true for plays, that's true for musicals. I'm friends with David, like David Foster, who made everybody from Whitney Houston to Celine Dion. So it's okay. And, and what you got to do is get excited about it and say, hey, wait a second, I've got infinite possibility here. And once you, like you, well, like I wrote in the book, once you start pouring forth, you'll be amazed that you got more stuff in you than you ever imagined. Everyone, my wife likes to say, is born with four times more genius, talent, and ability and skill than they've ever used. Right. And it's so important because you, you go through that in the book, just this idea of just get it out there. You know, you can go back and rewrite, but so, so many people are so fixated on that perfect opening line. That's everything. But you say, just, you know, get something on the paper and then come back to it. So I think that's something that, you know, really resonated with me because I feel that that's, that's the most intimidating part getting started. You also talk about something, this idea, Mark, of visualizing is realizing. Tell us a little bit about that. I can do it at a lot of levels, but let me, all of us operate in images. 87% of our mind is image oriented. That's why our eyes are so important. But the eye that really matters here is your inner eye because you live in the assumption of the wish fulfilled. When we started the chicken soup stories, 
I interviewed the 101 best-selling fiction, nonfiction authors, you know, and like Scott Peck had gone to Harvard with Jack and had 58 weeks, number one, New York Times with a book called The Road Less Travel. So I'm interviewing Scott and I say, tell me what I got to do. Not, I know how to write. Tell me how to market. And every one of them taught me how to market. And I wrote a while of a business plan. But then we took his New York Times thing and whited out his name and put Mark and Jack and Chicken Soup and put it on the mirrors at our house because all of us shave or we do our makeup in the mirror. It goes through the portal of the pupil into the depth of the soul. And the law of attraction says what, you know, the cliche I have is what you think about comes about birds of a feather flock together. We looked that we were number one way before we become number one. So once we became number one, it took a year and a half to really pull it off. You know, everybody thought we were joking because they'd come into my office or Jack's or my home or Jack's home and they'd see it on every mirror and they go, these guys are really crazy. Yeah. Oh, your mind works visually. So you take visual, inner visual ownership of it and you get the external experience of it. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And you talk about that in the titles because the title is so important. And you, in that section, you talk about titles and visualizing. Um, it, it's a very easy read and just very insightful to find out how this chicken soup for the soul title came about. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. C-Suite Radio. Something else that I thought was really unique, Mark, within the book, you have these sections called Writing Secrets From. And you have a writing secret from Michael Crichton, from Neil Simon, from Orwell, from Stephen King. And it was so interesting to you know, put what you put on paper in a quick little snippet of what each of them is doing and, and how it led to their road to success. My favorite was the Michael Crichton secret. Um, you know, I just love that he's a doctor and kind of what he did to incorporate, you know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let people read the book. You explain it very well. But I'm curious, was it hard to narrow down which famous author's secrets to include? And that said, do, do you have a favorite of all of the ones that you researched? Well, I love everybody, but let me just stay on Michael Crichton. First of all, Michael Crichton, you know, you ought to have a good biography. And when you read any of his books, and I've read everything he's written, he lived in Hawaii and he was next door neighbors with one of my great friends, Peter Guber, the guy who's made 50 Academy Award winning movies. I wrote forward to his book. Um, and, and, you know, he now owns two little sports teams, I think the Golden State Warriors and, and a little thing called the Dodgers. But the point is, Michael was such a great writer because you'd get intrigued with just the people and their sculpting in the beginning. And he could not write. And he was a medical doctor from Harvard. But then he wrote a book about how to write books, where that came from. <clears throat> and he wrote that he just climbed Kilimanjaro. And, and this is in Africa, for those of you that don't know, right in between Tanzania and Kenya. And if you told me that I would read that and then become a mountain climber, I'd go, 
that's a nice thing for you to say to me, my dear, but I don't think so. And, and not only did it inspire me, but now I've climbed all the highest mountains, literally. I've climbed Kilimanjaro because of him, right? That's how much a writer can do. They can get inside your spirit, your soul, your mind, your heart, your body, your life. And, and you know, I've climbed Fuji. And, anyhow, and here in America, I've climbed Whitney to the top. The point is, is all of us are supposed to have peaking life experiences. And what the writing a book does is it gets you out of mediocrity. It gets you out of your complacency. It gets you out of your stuckness. It gets us out of the COVID-19 nonsense, which right now there are five problems and we can get out of all of them by writing our way out, I believe. Do you have, I mean, I, I, I'm sure people ask you this all the time. Do you have a favorite book? If you had to pick one, a favorite book, a favorite author, something in that category. Okay. It'd be more than one, but in the spiritual zone, it's the Bible. And I rewrote, the publisher said, that'll never work. You can't do chicken soup Bible. So I found a publisher to take chicken soup of the soul Bible. We sold 70,000 a week at Walmart. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, when a publisher tells you you can't do it and it's not, don't let anybody make your decision for you. No, don't be anyone else's opinion of you. And people who bet against Mark Victor Hansen or Elon Musk are making a mistake as far as I'm concerned. So the Bible would be that in business, uh, you know, thinking grow rich did what my book One Minute Millionaire is doing right now. Right this exact second in Vietnam, the number one book sold there to everyone is One Minute Millionaire because we're trying to keep Vietnam from being communist. And you say, well, how important is that to you? Well, first of all, you know, I'm very patriotic to America, but I'm very patriotic to capitalism and free enterprise. And I'm saying, hey, look, you cannot let China take over Vietnam like it's now taking over Hong Kong and wants to take over Taiwan. I know these are political things, but ladies and gentlemen, when you become a writer, you're going to become a bigger, better, stronger person. And you've got to be able to stand because it, it, pain in his writings politically, where if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. I'm not falling for stuff I don't believe. You can't get me to believe atheism is a good thing. For me, I believe the world needs to have its spirit evolve under whatever dominion it is. Mark, I always like to ask authors that have achieved your level of success, what is the one thing you know now that you wish you would have known back then? That is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice. Well, I love the question. And first of all, the youngest author I've ever helped is a four-year-old. So, and it's not a relative this time. I, I did the mega book seminars and we'd have a thousand people come at $1,200 each. So it's really something I believe in. I wanted to help writers. But, but the, one, the highest paid little girl artist is Akiana Cameron. And she came to talk because I'd written a book called The Richest Kids in the World. 28 kids that all made a million before they're 19. And she gets a million of painting. And if you go look at her artwork, you go, oh my God. She brings her little brother, who's also an artist at four, and he says, Mark, can I come up on your platform? And I go, you're four years old? You can come on my platform. We've got 2,000 people here, but you can come on the platform. He says, everybody, I want you to read my book. The future is now, and I'm only four years old, and you're going to hear from me. And I thought, holy cow. So even a four-year-old has it, son. And I wrote a book with a 98-year-old. I wrote how to make the rest of your life the best of your life with Art Linkletter. And you may be too young to remember him, but he had TV shows, kids say the darndest things, people are funny, house party. And he invented the hula hoop and made $2 billion with it. I suspect you remember the hula hoop. You probably had a hula hoop, right? For a dollar or two dollars. Yeah, well, one guy did it and Art Linkletter, but he and I wrote a book when he was 98 years old. So I really believe in the age spectrum, but I believe everyone's got to pull out this story. They got to leave it as a legacy. They got to leave it is ancestral wealth because what the world needs now is more intellect, more thinking, more spirit, more brightness, and, and expand the opportunities for everybody.
There's no shortage. There's 8 billion people and somebody's going to want to read whatever niche you write in. So if you could have done something differently, what would it have been? Would you have changed anything? I would have interviewed more people earlier and saved all the interviews. Like right now, those 101 interviews I did with all the best-selling authors, a lot of them are gone. Like Irma Bobbeck's gone and Scott's gone. Wouldn't it have been nice to have that so I could give it to you today? Because they were all saying exceedingly, and, and James Michener, I mean, the world's at the time, the greatest novelist, or Jim Clavell. I mean, these are, these guys, just every one of them wakes up brain cells and you start to say, I want to read everything he or she has written. I want to, I want to go through it. I want to be as good a writer as they are. I, I really want to master this craft and, and do stuff that no one's ever done before. And each one of us, you're either leading edge, cutting edge, dull edge, or trailing edge. And most people don't know they could be leading edge. If they just read my book, it'll wake them up to be the, everyone's got a leader deep inside that's to wake up that genius. In graduate school, my teacher, Bucky Fuller, Dr. Fuller Einstein's best student, arguably, 44 books and inventions, all that stuff, 110 honorary doctorates. Bucky, you know, he just says, everyone's born a genius and we get unplugged going through life. And I'm trying by helping people write their book to plug back into their genius. I mean, so it's fascinating. So for you, you would have saved those, those old interviews if you could have done it again. Um, it's just so interesting hearing, uh, you know, you, you go back to that time of your life. Uh, final question. You mentioned you've written 309 books, which is just incredible in and of itself. But can you give us a small sneak peek into book number 310? First of all, I can't stop writing. And uh, I, just like I say, you ought to have five or six books that you're reading all the time. We're writing on five or six different books. Like the, the series, the series we did ask, uh, we're doing ask for riches because we ought to have wealth because you asked us earlier, did a different interview on that. We're going to do one ask for love because, you know, the way I found my wife was I had written down, I had a terrible divorce and then I wrote down uh, single for a long, long time. And I wrote down 267 things I like in my ideal wife. Well, then now that we have not only a soulmate, but a twin flame relationship, you put two candles together, the flame goes fourfold higher. I, I want everyone to know that you can have become formidable couples. So it, it'll, it'll expand the whole ask series, but there's a couple other series that I'm going to keep writing in because, you know, I've started them and there's so much more. It, it, it compels me and people come and say, you know, you need to go deep on this. I go, I never thought of that and I will and do and I'm thankful. It's exciting. It's true. I mean, you're really just scratching the surface um, because because it's what people need right now. So thank you so much for your time, Mark, and just congratulations and epic congratulations on everything you've already achieved and, and what's to come. It's truly phenomenal. So thanks again. Thank you very much. It's been my joy and you're correct. Everyone ought to go to my website, markvictorhensengod.com and see some of the stuff that we're going to, we're going into the best times ever in human history where, you know, the yin and the yang crisis equals opportunity. We got the biggest crisis, but I'm going to help everyone make it the biggest opportunity with great, grand, and terrific thinking. Absolutely. More to come, as they say. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV via Zoom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>